Hi, I want to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. Well, today's show, we're going to be talking about rituals for parents so that we can see when our children are growing up. I know it kind of sounds a, a funny title, but listen on, I want you to really try and understand um, the point of view that I'm trying to share today. When the babies are really small, we love to coo over them and do stuff with them. And when they start taking those first steps, we realize that they're not our little baby anymore. And there it begins, all the signposts along the way that tell us that our child is growing up. And within 18, maybe 19, 20, 25 short years, it sometimes feels as if we're always looking back on whichever stage we're at, but looking further back. So when they're nine and 10 years old, we're looking back. I remember when you were five and you used to sit on my knee and we would talk for ages and now you don't want to do anything with me. And then when they're 13 and 14, perhaps we're talking about when they were eight and they used to be able to do something when they were eight and so on. We constantly hark back to a time when they used to do things, but they're not doing it in the same way now. Also, the kids get really cross with us because we want them to be our little kids and they're trying to grow up into the person who they wish to be. So there's this conflict between all of us, them trying to grow up and we start hearing things like, it's not fair, you don't let me do these things, um, you're babying me, other kids can do it, why can't I do it, everybody else is doing it. And there's this conflict that starts to bring in of, shall they do it? Is this what we really want them to be doing? And so this show, I really wanted to talk about how we as parents can look for the good in the stage that we're at. So with school age family right now, we want to make sure that we are enjoying this school age time and the children are developing as much as they can, having fun, learning, doing, just being. And the same with us. Of course, we can look back and reflect on all the great things that they did before and the, the not so great things that we don't have to do anymore, that they may be even more independent now than they were before. But we don't have to look forward in dread either to the, the tween or the teen or the, the young adult stage and worry. We can prepare for some of those things. And I wanted to take these two episodes, this episode and the next episode, to talk about rituals that we can do as parents and as families to keep us moving along like this continuum so that we're not just harking back to what things were, but we're enjoying the stage we're at. We're being positive with the things that we're doing and we can look forward to the things that we're going to be doing with the kids get them ready for it, get ourselves ready for it. I think that this is a really, really positive thing to do. Rituals help us with the transitions as parents moving from little kid to bigger kid to teen. So let's jump into some of these rituals that we can use. Now, I think the first thing we should talk about is the positive ways of separating from our children 
and attaching in more mature ways. Now, as our children move through the different stages, we need to do things that allow them to separate from us. By the time they get to teens and tweens, we don't have to do anything about the separation. They're doing that already. They want to wear different clothes. They want to get to different places. They have different attitudes, different thoughts. They want to be around different people. I mean, it's right out there in your face. But as they're growing to that point, we have to find ways that they can separate positively and we can separate positively from them. So that might be things like privacy. We might discuss how we do privacy in our family. The things, you know, do you knock on the door? Are doors allowed to be closed? Why will doors be closed sometimes? Will we lock doors? Are we allowed to play with our electronic devices behind closed doors or is it going to be in a, a public area? You know, these are conversations that we probably want to start having with our kids as they're growing because each child is different. Maybe even each child within the family is different. So one child could have a closed door and another child shouldn't have a closed door at the exact same age. You know, these are things that we really need to be talking about and not just saying from on high, this is what we do in our family, the end. We're beginning to have conversations with our kids about, you know, why do we close our doors? And why? what circumstance would you have a closed door in our house. And then we can explain why we wouldn't want it or we would, but it's, it's meant to be a conversation so that they understand. Puberty is also another way that we get separated from the child as they're transitioning to become the adult is puberty. Their bodies are changing, things are very different. For girls, there is a definite time because as soon as they get their period and start menstruating, it feels as if they're a woman. They're very different. For boys, their voice changes and that can take some time and hormones and all sorts of other things are going on with them. So there is, it's not marked in exactly the same way as in, you know, today, your voice changed, it's gradual. But that is something that we as parents can recognize. You know, our boys are changing and our girl is changing and they're becoming a woman. How are we helping them to be their best selves? So that's a rite of passage, puberty, for us to start noticing what we can do to help them become the best that they can be rather than just remarking about how hard it is because, yes, it's hard too. People is also another part of positively separating our kids need to learn to trust and be around people that aren't just the immediate family not just the people that live in our house so they need to be able to talk to teachers by themselves you know when they have a, a grade or a problem they need the confidence to be able to go and talk to a teacher about what to do whether that's email or should they phone them and leave a voicemail should they make an appointment to go and see them? You know, what are they going to do? We might in, um, help them to be able to construct the email or learn what to say. They might come and ask us. We might even share what they should do and we might um, support them in all of those things. But they need to learn how to do these types of things for themselves. They need to struggle with it. They need to make mistakes um, 
early on, the younger the better, for them to learn how to do it and realize, you know, when I said it like that, it, I didn't mean it that way and it came across wrong and caused all these problems. And those are really important things for them to learn how to do. And it's hard as a parent to watch that and, and the struggle that comes with that. But it's really important for us to step back and support when we need to support, but know when to step back and allow them to learn and um, grow from those experiences. This is a rite of passage that we need to get used to. Our children need to turn to good adults. Now that could be that we introduce them to some of these good adults in the different areas that we know, our own connections and our own friends, our kids can become friendly with those people. It's during school age time that they're beginning to show a distinct interest in certain things. So maybe a future job or just an interest. They, they really love playing football or a musical instrument. And you can connect them with people that you know and trust that also enjoy that because now a passion can be ignited and really sparked. So it doesn't matter that you don't play a musical instrument, but your child does and they are connected with an adult that loves that and they can talk for ages about something in common that really encourages a passion. And that's a way that we can be positively encouraging our kids. We can separate from our children but know that they are still in good hands. Now, by separate, I'm not meaning that we don't ask them about the musical instrument or what they've been doing, and separate meaning completely separate, don't ask them anything. I'm not saying that at all, but it gives the kids a chance to be able to share in a completely different way, learn the nuances of speaking to another person that's not mum and dad, um, we understand what they mean and how they say things and they need to learn how to get on with other people to nurture relationships and realize that they can't do everything by themselves and we as parents need to recognize that we can't help them in everything but there are people that can help them always so this is great for teaching them about um, health related matters you know if you have problems that you can speak to the doctor about that being able to speak to the counsellor about problems as well, learning how to talk about feelings. We don't have to be upset that they can't always talk to us, but if we know that they know these other people that they can talk to, we know that they will always be okay. Now, in this time of high anxiety and you know suicides and depression, this is good information for us to realise that there are other people that our kids can go to that we trust and it isn't always us that they go to because those days when we fight and row and are upset with each other might just be the day when our child needs to talk to another adult. But because they're mad with us or perhaps we seem like we're mad with them, they've got no one else to turn to. And we don't want that. We wouldn't have wanted that. And they need to understand that there are many people you can go to and that's why relationships are so good. So that's a really... Po easy positive way that we can separate from our children is thinking about privacy talking about that puberty um, sharing how that's going to happen and for our, us to understand um, people 
the importance of needing other people and connecting with people that have the same passions and joys that you have, um, nurturing relationships and personality. Each of our kids are very different, even within our family. So not all of these things can be done in exactly the same way. We have to fine tune our parenting to help each individual child. You have the introverts and you have the extroverts. You have the the young at heart, you know, the immature, the very mature. We've got to tackle these things in, in very different ways. But that doesn't mean that we as parents can't help them to be more separate. We learn to give them independence slowly or we give it to other children quickly because we know that they can cope with it. But this is what we need to be doing is learning how to separate from our children and attaching in more mature ways. Now, that's really important, that bit, attaching in more mature ways. When they were very little, we did everything for them. They needed it. That's just how it was. And as they're growing, they're pulling back from us intervening in everything. Now, instead of fighting it, we can understand it and realize, is this what I need to be doing? Letting go a little and reattaching in a completely different way. One of those ways we can reattach is through contributions. I've talked about contributions before in another show, and contributions or chores are great for kids um, at school age level because they have a chance to shine in a completely unrelated area to academics. And with the pressure that so many children have on themselves, from parents, from family, from school, to get high grades or to do really well or to go to university, um, kids feel as if they've got to do all of these things. If it's not academic pressure, it could be pressure from the media. If they enjoy social media, they might be seeing lots of pictures or... I don't know, just being kids, there's lots of pressures from all different areas. But contributions is a chance to just do the things that need to be done. It's laying the foundations for future job work. It's character building. You know, when you're cleaning a mirror, you don't have to care very much about anything else. You can just work hard at making sure that this mirror is clean right in front of me where I am. You can get complete job satisfaction from making sure that this mirror is clean. Now, whether that's taking out the trash or um, learning how to master the laundry completely, these are multi-step processes that make you feel like a worthwhile citizen. Now, kids may not understand it quite like that, but there is an enormous pride achievement they have some sort of purpose, they're needed. You know, when you can say, could you just go and clean that mirror? Or could you go pick up your room? And they know what that means and they're able to do it. They feel as if that they have achieved something. They have a purpose in life. There is a reason. They're needed. All of us need to be needed. And they are too. Now, when you can see that your child can put in a load of laundry, you can see that they're getting older. Now you can see as a parent that they are at a different stage. That's a positive way of seeing your child, that they're at a different stage. They can be ready for it. You can prepare them for doing their own laundry by breaking it down into different steps. It doesn't have to be the laundry. It could be just learning how to clean their room. So many children have 
so many things in their room and they just don't know where to start. Maybe it's learning that we don't need all this stuff or learning how to sort things into piles. I was with my son the other day and he was cleaning his room and he was putting away every little thing that he picked up, he would go and put it in the place that it was. And he said, he came and saw me, he says, I'm just exhausted. And I said, so what are you doing? How are you doing it? And I went over and he showed me and I was like, yeah, I would be exhausted with that too. <laughs> he hadn't mastered the art of sorting things into groups. So I explained to him, why don't we put all of the pens and pencils in this group over here, all the cards, never, we won't sort them yet, just put all the cards, the playing cards, the Uno cards, the historical conquest cards, all of those in this pile here, all the socks and clothes that you can find, just put them in a pile here. And then when they're in all these big piles, we'll sort through the pile and put the piles away. And we sat and did that for a while and he tried it and he did it and he was like, this is so much more easier doing it that way. But just the sitting and teaching him how to do that part helped him and it helped me to realize, you know, he's able to tidy his room if he knows how to do it, but he didn't really know how to do that. And we've got years of learning to tidy our room, our office, our desk, our area, you know, our the cupboard, the stock room, I don't know, your home, everybody has to learn how to tidy. And the quicker you can learn how to do it, the, the more effective you will be at being able to do something rather than feeling so, I can't do this, this is just too hard. He must have felt really helpless just sitting there amongst all this stuff thinking, I can't do this tidying. When we think of um, contributions, we think of life. There will be a time when they're tweens and teens where they'll have too many things to do of an evening and they'll have to make decisions about whether they do homework or whether they do contributions or whether when they'll eat, how long they have to eat, whether they'll go to that class or whatever it is their activity is doing. They'll have to juggle and learn how to do that. That's exactly the same thing that they will encounter as adults and so we can help them learn about life as contributions now when you come home from a job you're tired and hungry and you still have work to do perhaps when you're just starting out your job but you still have to do laundry you still have to cook all your own food maybe you're at college and that will happen maybe you've got your first job and you're, you're living in a house with, with a few other people you're still going to have to hoover and clean up Somebody's going to have to clean that bathroom. And if you can clean the bathroom in five minutes rather than, you know, half an hour, you will be much happier for that. You know, life is a series of inputs. You know, here are the steps, do them really well, and then here's the reward. And contributions kind of give you that. I mean, when you can clean a, a bin really well or sweep the floor and it, and it looks good, they may seem like really small things, but it gives you a satisfaction that nothing else can bring. And that's the same thing that we want to learn as um, parents, that our kids can do things. It's not just academics, it's not just um, studying, but they can do other things and that's really important. So that was the first thing, positive ways of separating from our child and attaching in more mature ways.
The second thing, a new framework for seeing your kid, your child, your tween, your teen, and your young adult. Often we look back to how great they were before. Often we look forward and worry about what's coming. Oh no, they'll never be able to leave home. They'll live in my basement. They're going to be terrible tweens. They're going to be terrible teens. Um, They're always going to live with me until they're 26 and I don't know what to do with them. They never seem to do anything well. You know, we, we get all of these really negative ideas, but we should be looking forward to the positive things of these new stages of what what's coming. You know, if they're school age, they're going to become a tween soon. And what can I do to support them when they become a tween or a teen or a young adult that will help them? Now, these are really clear rites of passages that to do with age and stage. But there are other things like getting a driving license. You know, are they ready to be able to drive? Once they're at that point, it's kind of too late to say, well, buddy, we're not going to get you in a car because you're irresponsible. They want to know coming along what they can do to be able to get into the car. So we need to, instead of just saying, you know, you're, you're so irresponsible, you'll never drive a car. It's, you know, we're happy to let you drive our car if you're more responsible and here are some of the things that you can do to show us that you are more responsible the more of these types of things that you can do the more confident we feel to give you the keys to our car so that you can have a driving license but if you're not making any effort towards doing that type of thing then how can we give you the keys to the car and in fact we won't and we can't that wouldn't be responsible for us to do something like that Now, those types of questions and conversations can be really tricky because kids feel as if, you know, they can't do anything right. (laughs) Um, How will they know how to do it? It's difficult. You know, we're setting them up for failure. I like to go through books and have books that help to uh, help them to understand and books to tell the story. One book that I really enjoy and that we're going to start working on more is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens by Sean Covey. That's a really good book and you can get the workbook that goes with that. It gives you a a way of um, teaching about goals, goal setting, things that are going to be happening in the future. There's another series called Straight Talk for Kids and I'll leave these in the show notes so that you can um, hear Uh, see them. Straight Talk for Kids is is really good. The boys have gone through that and um, listened to different parts. And in fact, actually, when they've been really upset about a situation, it's been really good for them to go, instead of storming off to their room, is to actually listen to one of those. It's written by uh, a young adult talking about his teenage and, and tween years and what he knows now and what he wished that he would have done. And he's talking about how his conflicts with his parents and how what they were trying to do. So he was try- he's trying to explain to young people why you're not going to get what you want by pouting and clo- slamming doors. You're more likely to get what you want by thinking carefully and presenting your ideas and talking to your parents as human beings because then they'll listen Um, which we've been trying to tell them that but having it from a peer tell them those types of things uh, I think is really useful for somebody else to be saying it and not just us so straight talk for kids 
Um, if you're looking at building a legacy of faith and you want some more rites of passage, then there's a really good book called Pass It On that goes through each grade level and gives you a rite of passage, a special thing that you can do that will help celebrate the passing of time, which gives parents a chance to celebrate their child at that moment as a third grader, as a fifth grader, as somebody that's about to enter secondary school or, you know, a, a seventh grader or whatever the, the year it is or a kindergarten child, you know, there's a, there's a section for each part. For us to recognize also that our kids are, are changing, we can get ahead of the curve. So there's books like Painless Study Techniques. Our kids, when they transition from year six into year seven, which is primary to secondary school, or from elementary school to middle school, they're totally treated differently. And it can be scary for the kids. And, you know, we've just gone through that and it's a big change. They have to learn how to cope with moving to many classes, manage their time, find all their things, not leave all their books and equipment in the wrong rooms, carry it around with them, juggle homework, remember what the homework was, write things down. I mean, there's just tons of stuff that goes through there. And then they have to study for tests and all sorts of things. Well, we can help them. We can help them learn how to set up their backpack. We can talk to them about systems for filing and do they need a zip up file for their work or would it be better that they have, you know, the lever arch folders, lots of those. Is it better for them to have a concertina folder that they take to school or, or not? Every child is different, but before they start struggling, we can spend the time and do it with them. We can teach them painless study techniques. Now, kids don't want to be lectured to, but we can find a book that we can read together. That's a fun book to look through. It's short chapters, short things that it talks to you about all the different study areas, the study types, the things that you can do. It's far more than talking just about flashcards or studying for exams. It talks about areas that, you know, setting out your area, things that you can do, sleep, food, lots of different things. And just to be able to have that book between you and say, you know, if you read chapter one, come and talk to me about one thing or two things that you've learned from chapter one. You can do the same thing. Now, it doesn't have to be a book that they have to read through. You can get these things on Audible or an audio book and the kids can listen to it. We can do the same. It can be on their Kindle app. There's lots of ways that we can we can listen or read these things together now and actually working with our kids to make sure that they're excited about the new part that's coming rather than scared you know saying oh you're going to get so much homework you're not going to know what to do is really not helpful <laughs> for them but being able to encourage them that you know retrieval learning is really good if you study like these five ways this is really good for you to be able to do let me show you how to do it let's read this book and learn how to do that together also, part of a rite of passage is learning that our kids aren't kids anymore, that they are tweens or teens or school-age kids, is for them to be able to learn about time. 
time is a big deal for all of us. Getting out to school in the morning, getting up in the morning, getting to appointments, making sure that we're at the right classes on time, all of those things. So maybe it's getting a watch, learning how to use it, having an alarm clock, making children accountable for their time. So if they say that they're going to do an activity for 20 minutes or go to their friend's house for an hour, that they really are doing it for that amount of time. Now that is a rite of passage that we can really observe as parents, is learning to help them be more accountable with their time. It doesn't mean that we are taskmasters, but it does mean that they get to be learn how to be responsible with their time. It's not our fault that they didn't get up in the morning. It's not our fault that they forgot the time at their friend's house. But as they're learning to get more and more responsible, they'll be able to see that they can enjoy time and use time really wisely. So that was seeing our kids differently. If we look at time, you know, we wouldn't expect our four-year-olds to be knowing when it's time to stop and tidy up. But there are rituals and routines that we can do in our families that can encourage us to use time wisely so that we know what to do. One of the reasons we love to reminisce is because the stage we're in is hard. I can recognize this. This happens in my family as much as it happens in yours. Our kids are older, they respond, they question, they answer back, they refuse. They have a tone of voice, a way that they ignore you. And in those times, we feel inadequate, we feel spent. We love, of course, but it is easy to see why we go back to that vision of sweetness of a previous stage. That's why these rituals are useful to cling to when we are derailed with life, when we're venting, when we're negative, when we're angry, when we're mad that there are positive forward thinking steps that we can do and we don't just get stuck wandering around in a circle of despair. So today I've talked about positive ways of separating from our child and attaching in more mature ways and also a new framework for seeing our kids, our children, our tweens, our teens and our young adults. I hope something I have said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you to make a wonderful decision for your family. So now it's your turn. I'd love to hear about what happens in your family. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode or share your ideas in the Facebook group, The Society of Nimble Parents. Thanks for being here today. I know there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad you've chosen to be here today. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe and listen to this podcast. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to find the show and I get your feedback. Show notes for today's episode and links are found at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 206 that's show 206 you can also sign up for my growing library of parenting resources and printables there on my site and there'll be one coming very soon about this episode see you again next time goodbye